You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, have you ever wondered how I generate thousands of inbound leads per year using LinkedIn? Well, this episode is sponsored by my guide, The Ultimate Guide to Generating Inbound Leads with LinkedIn. This is the definitive guide on how to consistently generate inbound leads using LinkedIn and social selling. So if you want a copy of that guide, just send a text to 44222 with the word L-I guide, all one word, L-I guide to 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Adita Nagrath, and he is the founder and CEO of Elephant Learning, which is a math learning platform that guarantees students will learn a full year of math in just three months with the time commitment of 30 minutes per week. Dr. Nagrath bootstrapped Elephant Learning four years ago and has seen huge growth numbers in terms of users, market share, revenue. You know, he has a PhD in math and computer science, as you would imagine, experience as a software engineer at, an educational, at the educational giant Pearson, and a contagious passion for mathematics. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. You know, before we hit record, you know, we were talking, you were giving me a little bit of the backstory. And it's really interesting. Number one, you've got a really fast growing company and we're going to talk about that. But just to kind of tease everybody and give them a sense as to what we're going to talk about today and why it's important that you're here is the power of discovering and having a compelling offer, right? So, you know, not all offers are the same, not all products are the same. And so you discovered a compelling offer early on, and we're going to talk about that and how you've leveraged it to acquire, would you say over 14,000 active customers? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Over 14,000 active customers. So I'm excited to dive into that, but give us a really quick backstory of how you kind of got into this. Take a minute or two and then we'll dive right in. Sure. Yeah. So I got into this. I was in a contract software engineering firm, just doing basically projects for hire. And and I was approached by one of the professors over at the University of Denver who had a project that they were working on that they needed to partner with the company and turn into a real product. And, and basically at that time, we were getting into things like EOS traction. And so we were kind of focused on like what would be the compelling offer that would get particularly parents to, be, to want to be involved with this. And so you know, I had asked him with the project that they currently had, what was the, the rate of learning that they were achieving at that moment? And I mean, the first thing was there was a little pushback because he's a professor and he, was, he didn't want to guarantee anything. And he said, well, it's hard to measure at those levels because there's no standards. It was for pre-K and kindergarten. And then he said, well, basically, children on average are learning a year of math in three months. And I said, well, Alvaro, can we guarantee that? And he says, no, because it's the average, which means that more than half are not learning a year. So that's when I was said, okay, well, why don't you show me what they're doing? And I'll take a look at it and I'll I'll see if I can find a way that they can learn more. And what he showed me was these games that they had developed where like maybe half the time they were answering the question or maybe if the child was answering for one or two minutes, but like for 45 seconds to a minute, there were these animations to kind of reward the student coming onto the screen, like this bus and like 
And the professor was real excited about this. He was like, well, you know, the kids watch to see whether the animals get in the bus or get on the bus. And I said, yeah, we're not, we're not taking these with us to the new project. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, look, it was just put in a two second animation. At the end of the day, it's the randomness that's hooking the kid, right? They're looking to see whether they get in the bus or on the bus. It's a slot machine. We can give them a reward a different way and we can make it shorter. And that optimizes the 10 minutes they're in there. And so we did that and we ran the same kind of test again. And what we found was children on average were learning a year and a half of math over the course of 10 weeks. So when we up it to three months and, and we up the usage a little bit, they were doing that on an average about 22, 25 minutes of usage. We upped it to 30 minutes because it sounds better. That's where we came up with the offer. Yeah, it's really great because you just killed two birds with one stone. Number one, you talked about how you kind of got into the business was through a professor that you knew, right? And then secondly, you talked about kind of how you discovered that compelling offer. So share the compelling offer. What is the offer that has really led to all this growth? Well, we learn one year of math in three months guaranteed. Yeah. So you guarantee a parent, a mother, a father, that their student is going to learn a year of math in three months guaranteed with what, 30 minutes a week? 30 minutes of usage on average. So if it's like 20 minutes one week and it's 40 minutes the next week, they're still okay. That kind of thing. Awesome. And then obviously, so that's been the fundamental value proposition and the guarantee and the offer that you've led with. So, all right, cool. So, so that offer, you know, that's how you discovered the offer. Now from there, how did you grow? What's been the primary channel that's allowed you to grow so rapidly? Because 14,000 paid users, I mean, those, there's a couple of growth strategies that you had alluded to in pre-interview that have had a huge impact. Why don't you share those with us if you don't mind? Well, our main growth strategy has been through Facebook and we learned several different tricks along the way on how to do that. And, it, and I mean, they're both very fundamental marketing tricks. So it's very good that, you know, like I wasn't a marketing person coming in that these things came across, but like the first was to match the content to the audience. So the idea was, was like, how can we take some sort of a video and then point it at the right audience? Or if we were able to develop media, how would we point that at the right audience? So the way we got started actually was with a nine news blast. So like we got onto the local nine news, they had put on a piece and a lot of parents had come in and experienced success because of that. And we found one of the parents to come out and get interviewed by nine news because they had recommended it and the parent had experienced success. So they went ahead and made this video. And at that time, when they put that out, maybe we had maybe 100 or 200 sales. And what we were able to do was we were able to take this video and we were able to actually aim it at the nine news audience. And we were able to actually at that time carve out what we thought was our target audience, right? The parents, they liked math, they liked education stuff, that kind of thing. So like that subset of the nine news audience and just send it to them. And actually what happened was we got a thousand likes within the first hour. Like it was, it was really, really fast because we were aiming at the channel that they were already watching, right? And that was kind of the advice that we had been given. The thing right after that was that because we did that, we were able to gather more data from Facebook. So Facebook's pixel became a lot smarter with us. And what happened was that they actually reached out to us and said, we're going to teach you how to create a 1% audience basically. And so we got on the phone with the Facebook marketing guy and he showed us how to make a 1% audience. And I guess really the main thing was, was that we had to choose a conversion metric. And the idea basically is, is that you have to get enough of the conversion metric in order for the pixel to be able to tune. So we chose the conversion metric of lead. So for us, that means they come in and they start the application to sign up. And 
we told Facebook to do this. And after about a week, I was able to calculate how much money I could put in to get the 50 conversions that I needed, the 50 leads that I needed in order for the pixel to tune. And we were able to get over that. And what I found out was very quickly, we popped from 50 to 100 or 150 leads per week. And that was very useful, right? So that was basically what Facebook had told us. Now, at that point, we decided, okay, now it's time for us to move from a lead metric to a conversion metric, right? Because if Facebook can do the same thing with conversion, well, then we'll have CAC and we'll be able to grow. And that was harder. What I found out very quickly was I went to like a networking event. And at that networking event was one of my buddies. And he comes up to me and he says, dude, your stuff's all over my Facebook. You guys must be blowing up. And I'm looking at him and he's older. And I'm like, but dude, you don't have children that are in my target market. You're not, they're not the right age. He says, no, no, my children are in college. But I mean, congratulations, nevertheless. And I was thinking, but dude, you're not supposed to see that ad, right? The yeah, whole trick. Yeah, I'm spending money on you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the whole trick to Facebook is you only want to show the ad to people who are going to buy it. And there's no way you're ever going to buy it. So I went home and I took the 1% audience and I threw on the same target market that I threw on to 9Us and onto the 1% audience. So my audience dropped from 2 million people to 600,000 people, but the CAC came way down and the conversions went up to the point where we could then do the same trick that we did with the leads. And to be honest with you, mining Facebook has been one of the greatest things we've done. At one point, maybe six months to a year later, we were actually able to tell Facebook, just target everyone in the United States. And the pixel was still smart enough to get us the right CAC. Wow. So let's break that down a little bit. You talked about a lot there. I mean, there was a, there was, you followed through an entire process. So you started with the initial, the nine news targeting and you used organic content. That was something that a user had created, a video that a user had created. Facebook has since turned this off, but nine news put it up on their Facebook and then we hit share on their post. And then we prefaced it and we said, Hey, check this out, right? Like one of our students is on nine news and she's doing kindergarten math and she's only three years old. She had just turned three at the recording. So, And because of the feedback you got and the engagement, you knew you tapped into something. And then from there, you leveraged it further with some paid ads, right? You took that same sort of concept with paid ads and you went through the targeting process. So let me ask you something. Where did the compelling, was the compelling offer that we talked about, was it in the copy? Was it in the video? Or was it after when they hit on the landing page where they were getting more details? Where did the compelling offer fall into that chain of events? Well, so when we actually had to then go create ads, because like first it was share this nine news post and boost that, right? So that's where the ad money went. We basically had to come up with some ads. We went over to promo.com. It's stock video. It lets you put some text in and we just, we put that in. And then, you know, like we found a tool that, and now like Facebook does this for you, right? But we found a tool that would go create like 50 ads with different headlines and different videos. So we just basically went and created three, some videos, three or four videos, and we put five headlines on it and five descriptions on it. And this thing went and threw all of that out there. And then it would tell us to turn off things that weren't working. And the top headline was learn one year of math in three months. And just kind of like you identified, right? I mean, that's really the main value proposition. So that's what people were buying. Yeah. What I love about that is that you use, it was data driven, right? So you had a, you had a gut feeling that that would probably be a compelling offer. So you added it as one of the variables, but 
the data is what really told you that that's what was resonating because that was the most engaged and that probably led to the most leads and the most conversions depending upon what you were what your what that ad was focused in on. So I love that. I love that data-driven approach. And obviously it, it doesn't surprise me being a math guy, being a numbers guy. But I think that that's, you know, really interesting because you alluded to the fact that, you know, Facebook, you gave them a framework, you gave them four videos or a certain amount of videos and a certain amount of headlines and a certain amount of descriptions. And then they use their AI, I assume, you know, to create a whole sequence. How many ads did they create? Like 30, 40, 50 ads for you? So this was a tool called Ad Espresso. And again, Facebook's doing this now through their dynamic content. So I'm not. But you did it through Ad Espresso, right? That's right. And so the story actually is this, is that there were so many opinions at the time, because I would ask my marketing guy, well, what do you think we should write? And then my wife would come down and I'd say, well, what does this ad look like to you? And she'd look at it and say, no, I think the headline should be something completely different. And you guys said this thing and she's target market, right? So like, I was like, well, God, what do we do here? And finally, like the third opinion came in, it was completely different than the other two. And I said, you know what? I'm done with this. I literally just Googled, like, is there something that'll let me do this? And like, I found Ad Espresso and it literally was put in five headlines, put in five descriptions, upload five videos. They went and made 50 ads for us. And then they just watched and said, yeah, turn this one off. It's not performing. Turn that one off. It's not performing. And then we just listened to them. And in the end, there was only, I think, two headlines left. It was learn one year of math in three months. And honestly, I don't remember the other one because, you know, like when we hooked up with our next marketing team, they looked at that and they said, no, you should just go with that. And they pushed that out to 25 million people. So how much is your, I mean, how much of your creative or copy has changed over time? Because again, you know, there's that whole concept of ad fatigue and things getting stale. I mean, how often are you changing those ads? Is it, a, is it like a daily, weekly ad change? I mean, you can, you can integrate that compelling offer into a lot of different ad sets, right? I mean, a lot of different creatives, a lot of different targets, a lot of different descriptions and combinations. But how difficult is it, is it to keep up with the freshness of an ad, to keep it converting? So for us, that learn one year of math in three months, I mean, lasted for quite a while. We used it for over a year and a half. I mean, you got to remember we were scaling up. So now like with our ad budget being maybe, gosh, maybe 50 times when we started, right? But like maybe twice or three times more than when some of these people took over. We, it took a while to get through millions of people. Now, this year, we started to experience ad fatigue and we, we've had to go back and start to change it. And it really was, was it didn't matter what video we used for a while. It was just that learn one year of math in three months. So we've had to go to a more advanced system of marketing. So learn one year of math in three months is still out there. And we ha- we've got different pictures and videos around it. I think they've refreshed that content. So we'll see like, if it goes out against the audience again, whether it'll convert. Also, what we've seen with what's happened recently is, is that we've had eyeballs come back to Facebook. So when we thought we had exhausted that audience, we were actually at around 7 or 8 million people. So that left like 19 million people that could have potentially like, just stopped using Facebook, but they've come back. But what we've started to do is we've started to add different content where we could add value to the customer kind of middle of funnel. So if they've seen the first thing and they, they kind of, they're interested in it, now we're able to show them different content just based on that. So it's a different type of strategy than we were initially using with the initial marketing companies we had. Yeah, I got you. So if you took a logical approach in the first ad set, as they went down the funnel, you might take a little bit different approach, maybe an emotional approach or something along those lines to try to hit on different components that would trigger them to convert. 
the advice I'm getting is so opposite of what everyone's giving. So they're saying, do a Facebook live that's 20 minutes long, or for example, do an interview like this, but like they want to get content that's like 20 or 30 minutes long where we're trying to offer value to the customer. Meaning like maybe I'm instructing on like how our system works or I'm instructing on how you might want to teach your child addition or go from counting to addition type of thing, but something where like the parent will watch it. And I get it because what it is, is it's building rapport. It's building credibility. It's building, it's building trust, right? Because if I'm giving them valuable insights now, so it's kind of like the marketing that was out there maybe two, three years back was like, oh, give them a webinar, right? Now it's giving that to them straight through Facebook on remarketing. And instead of telling Facebook to try to get for convert, they're telling Facebook, try to get 95% views out of it. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay, great. So those are some great tips and kind of a workflow of how you went for discovered the offer, how you implemented the offer early on and how it's still playing out today. Let me ask you something. Before the interview, you talked about this concept, this concept you came up with which was this scholarship concept, right? This concept of you offering scholarships. I mean, there's certain people that can't afford to pay a monthly subscription, you know, depending upon their income or where they're located geographically or whatever the case may be, right? Expand on that a little bit because I think you said it was an accident, but the results of that have been pretty compelling. Can you, tell, can you share the audience a little bit about that? Sure. So what we do is very mission-driven and the mission is to empower children with mathematics. And the idea is, is just that like at our price point, people believe that we can deliver the value that we're delivering. It's just that it's not affordable to everyone. It's not affordable to the people that need it most. So the issue tends to be that math ability is completely along an income scale. So if you look at preparedness for kindergarten for mathematics, on average, children are three years behind in the lowest income group and children are entering entering prepared at the highest income group, the highest 20 percentile. So every other 20, every other income quarter, uh, 20%, right? So it's fifth, but every other fifth that they examined came in unprepared for the kindergarten curriculum. And what that really means is from a conceptual level, those students were having a hard time understanding what a number is. And if you got a three-year-old, you'll understand exactly what I mean. Sometimes they're just saying words, but they don't have any idea what the word means, right? So you know, if you're a busy parent and the student says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thumbs up, they're counting to 10, right? Kindergarten doesn't mean that. Kindergarten says, give me 10 things. The student slides over 10 and stops on 10. So this is the very basis of what ends up kind of going wrong in the very, very beginning. So if the student doesn't have that language, kindergarten starts with counting to 20. So they're trying to get you from one digit numbers to two digit numbers. And that's where school starts. But those students aren't prepared for that. And again, it happens completely along income lines and the top 20% are entering prepared mainly because they can send their students to preschool and in preschool, the teacher makes sure that the student can count to 10 in the way that I just said. So, so very, very early on, my discussions with the professor were basically like, well, how do we get this into the hands of the people we, we need to get it to in order to make a societal difference? And we said, look, we don't need to be greedy about it. If they can't afford it, we find a way to get them in. Initially, we thought buy one, give one. Though when you give someone a subscription for free, they tend to respect it less. So what we did was we decided to implement a scholarship program. And we have a nonprofit that we created for that so that the people inside of Elephant Learning aren't making the decisions on who get the scholarships. So it's a different organization. And 
basically it was kind of an accident on coming across it because we, when we were making this shift, like at, at the beginning we were games and we made a shift to being an academy. I went and looked at the University of Denver's website and I said, well, what, is, what does a sign up look like for a student for University of Denver these days, right? I mean, it's been 20 years for me, but like they must have moved something online. Let's see what it looks like. And I went and looked at it and I was like, holy schmucks, right? And like, and it's the exact opposite of, again, all the advice that marketing people give you, right? Like, oh, yeah, it should just be the email address. Get, get the minimum information. These guys were asking every single question. I was like, okay. And I went to some other schools and I saw what their sign-up looked like and it looked the same. And I said, let's just do that. And so I got to a page where I said, okay, let's, let's implement the scholarship for them. What do I ask them? I said, well, I, I mean, I don't know. Let's go see what these other guys asked them. And at that moment, I kind of thought for a second, but this is completely by accident, right? I mean, I'm kind of inventing this as we're going along because I got to have something for sign up, right? But I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? If I was a better marketing person, I'd probably try to survey them for some sort of information. And maybe one day that's what it turns into when we finally get the right guy. But yeah, I mean, like, but even the questions we asked actually weren't that bad. It was like, tell us about your children. And the stories that we got back there told us a lot about the audience we were dealing with but also gave Math Matters a lot to be able to evaluate those students on. So we got pretty lucky there. Yeah. So how does that fit into the normal customer experience of signing up? So somebody sees an ad on Facebook, they go through to, you know, to your site where there's a sign up if they want to sign up for the service. Is that, is that what everybody sees or is that separately in the event you, you market a scholarship where, you know, maybe you do that if somebody, you retarget them after they've hit that page and then you retarget them with that later because maybe they couldn't do it financially. How does that fit into it? I'm just trying to understand that. Sure. So for a very long time, it was just part of the scholarship application. Then we got a customer experience person who came in and said, no, 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 that's very confusing. So now it's retargeting. Now it's offering it when we're seeing that they're interested, but maybe not converting. That's probably why is what we figure, right? And so it's some of that or people are often raising their hand. We actually do have it on the pricing page. So people are finding it there, but they're raising their hand. They're saying, hey, like this is too much for us. And we say, here's the scholarship program. Go check this out. Oh, I love it. Perfect. Okay, good. All right. Well, listen, is there anything else you want to add about the topic? I mean, I have a couple more rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap it up for today. Let's go to the rapid fire. That sounds like perfect. Fun. All right. Awesome. Well, listen, what would be your favorite growth tool, software, app, something is a, a system, a tool that you use to help grow your business. What would that be? If you had to pick I, one. I would pick Drip. We're, we're automating almost everything through Drip. So like as coders, being able to just manipulate that other email tool and then let the marketers write the email, that's, that's been good for us. Love it. And what would be one book that you would recommend? Something maybe that you've read and helped you on your journey or you think might help, help the people in the audience? Besides EOS Traction, I think I'll just go with EOS Traction. <laughs> Perfect. No, that's a great one. Awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, I really appreciate you being here today. This was awesome. Congrats on all your success. You know, I love the data-driven approach. You know, you're a math guy, you're a PhD, you're a scholar, you've got a lot of education behind you. I also love to see that come into the business world, right? Because that's something, you know, I'm actually on the board of a biotech company and their PhD. So I'm, I work with that and it's a very different type of working relationship. So I can really appreciate and uh, respect what you've done with your business. So let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about the Academy, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Absolutely. So if you want to learn more about me, you can find me on LinkedIn. You just search my name, Aditya Nagraf. 
or Elephant Learning and you'll probably find me. But if you want to check out the program, the system, go to elephantlearning.com. You can get started there and all the information you might ever need is there. Love it. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.